Rachel Fellows and welcome to a special edition of the Weekly Wrap. Now this one's special because of the lack of club football. You know, like I feel so empty without club football. And yeah, this whole episode is going to be focusing on international competitions. And we're going to focus on the countries and everything that revolves around that. We're going to focus on the World Cup that's coming up in Qatar in 2022. We're going to focus on the qualifiers. We're going to focus on the Nations League and everything else that happened in between. So, you know, buckle up and let's get started. On Friday, I'm excited to say that we will be seeing Amazulu in action, pride of KZN. I'm so proud of this team competing in the Champions League against TP Mazembe. Wow, I'm very proud of this team. We're very proud. We will see how far they can go. Um, No pressure. Um, I just want to see how far they can go, honestly. Just that's all. Um, also, Orlando Pirates will be in action in the CAF Confederations against a team called Diables Nose. I hope I'm not butchering that one. I feel like I butchered that. But also, Marumo Gallants. Yeah, I forgot that it's also in the Confed. Hey. Hey. I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about Marumo Gallants being in the Confed. Like, this is the best team we got to represent us. Really, really. Like, really, 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 really. Really, really. But I, there they are. There they are in the Confed Cup. They're going. But again, Orlando Pirates is not a better team. It's not like Orlando Pirates is a better team to represent us anyway. So, really, we just have two bad teams in the Confed, you know? But hey, Marumo Gallants, we'll see what they can do. They're going to play Vita Club. Uh, we'll see if they can do something for us. You know, at least score a goal, give us something to celebrate. But hey, you probably have a master plan and you're probably going to surprise us. You know, might even go and win the whole thing. Who knows? You know, we should have a little faith in them and we'll see how far they go. Um, I'm excited though to see Amazulu play. I'm very, very excited to see them play. I know that they'll not disappoint us at all. I know that they will present very, very well. Now, a reminder of the fixtures uh, that are coming up this weekend. We're going to have Super Sports United versus Barocca, Skukuna United versus Cape Town City, KZ Chiefs versus Chippa United, Spoilers versus Delis, which is going to happen on Sunday. Uh, then we're gonna have on Wednesday the 20th. We're gonna have Arrows Melody Santas. We're gonna have Marumbo Gardens, which are gonna be fresh off their Comfort game on Friday. They're gonna come back on Wednesday and they're gonna play Royal AM. Chase Galaxy will face Amazulu. Yeah, we should be off the Champions League game against TP Mozambique on Friday again. Uh, they will play TS Galaxy on Wednesday, while Marys Big United will face Orlando Pirates. Also on Wednesday, giving them enough time to rest from their game uh, on Friday. Um, in the Premier League, 
the fixtures that we have to look forward to. We have Watford versus Liverpool. We have Aston Villa versus Wolves. We have Leicester versus Manchester United. Manchester City versus Burnley. Norwich versus Brighton. Brentford versus Chelsea. Everton and West Ham will play on Sunday along with Newcastle and Tottenham. While on Monday we will see Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. Because, wow, I missed the Premier, I missed the Premier League, I missed club football as a whole, and I'm excited to see it come back. Welcome to another slice of history. This time we're focusing on the World Cup, specifically the World Cup that took place in 2002. In case you want to read, it took, a, it took place in South Korea and Japan. Now, this was the first time that two it had two joint hosts. This was also the first time that World Cup had occurred in Asia. I had so a lot of expectation and anticipation on this one and all eyes were on these two nations, South Korea and Japan. And boy did they not disappoint. They delivered amazing stuff. The most notable one for me was when Senegal beat France in the opening match by one, by a goal to nil. You know, the defending champions, which were France at the time, uh, they failed to score in any of their three matches and they departed. Argentina and Portugal also made an embarrassingly early exit, but the real whipping boys were Saudi Arabia conceding 12 goals without reply. The most eye-catching performance in the second round included USA's 2-0 defeat of Mexico and Senegal's narrow victory over Sweden and South Korea's win over Italy. Truly dramatic. It was very dramatic. It was very, very nice. Very, very thorough. But um, eventually, South Korea even made it as far as the semi-finals. It's amazing. Ultimately, they lost to Germany by a goal to nil. Quite sad. And Turkey lost to Brazil in the semi-finals. Brazil ultimately won the entire competition by two goals to nil, beating Germany. And I would say Brazil didn't falter because um, they won all three of their group matches uh, perfectly. It did well in the in the knockout rounds. Um, they only considered one in the knockout rounds. That's crazy. That's very weird. They only considered against England. Wow, that's very very weird. That's very very weird. Wow, the route to the final form for Brazil. In the quarterfinals, England scored first against Brazil but saw their chances drain away when keeper David Simon misjudged a uh, speculative Ronaldo Ronaldinho free kick. Germany then defeated a spirited USA. South Korea beat Spain on penalties after a goalless stalemate. And Turkey looked ominously good in a 1-0 victory over Senegal. In the first semi-final, Michael Bullock sent Germany through despite picking up a yellow card which ruled him out of the final. The Turks lost a closely contested match against Brazil but they went home with their heads held high after beating the Koreans in the third place playoff. But again, Brazil did the most, they won the game, Uh, they played very well and 
yeah this was in 2002 mind you um i wasn't even born yeah because yeah I, was, I wasn't even born by this time but i am i enjoyed it i love this one i love to see brazil dominate and they have continued to dominate in all the other world cups even though they haven't they didn't win all of them preceding the 2002 one but um they played very well they played very well and they always play well so in the next world cup look out for brazil just keep an eye out for brazil is what i'm saying and now for the nations league so in case you're not really aware of what the nations league is exactly I took the liberty of going over to the UEFA website and learning more about it. So, the UEFA Nations League was launched in 2018 to reduce the number of meaningless friendlies and raise the competitive balance across national team football. The group stage is designed to make every game count by pitting teams of similar quality against each other in League A, B, C and D. Teams of similar ranking compete to win promotion or escape relegation, while Europe's top teams, that's League A, aspire to qualify for a Final Four tournament. Right, so the Final Four tournament um, this season was was qualified to by Spain, France, Belgium and Italy, right? And um, in the first semi-final, Spain prevailed by two goals to one against Italy, while France beat Belgium by three goals to two, right? Meaning that France and Spain would face off in the finals and Belgium and Italy would have to settle for third place. So in the third place playoff, Italy came off the victors by two goals to one with goals by Barella in the 66th minute and a penalty by Berardi in the 65th minute in the 65th minute yeah and yeah it was a fully entertaining game um Belgium had most of the position 60% with 13 shots only four of which were on target but uh Italy were able to bury their chances home and they took it so you know congratulations to Italy for getting third place you know overall it's it's not a bad it's not a bad at all but i expected more from them especially given that they were european champions quite recently but hey you know we'll take what we can get in the final we had spain versus france very very entertaining match that one thoroughly entertaining we saw karen benzema with a killer 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 equalizer there um, in the 66th minute, that was in response to a 64th minute goal by Spain. Um, and then Mbappe with the, with the winner. Mbappe wasn't in the game, to be honest with you. He had a lot of missed chances. And I kept calling for him to be removed. Like, for him to be subbed for most of the game. But I'm glad that he wasn't eventually because he's the one who ultimately scored the winner. Right? Um, France had... 36% of possession and 12 shots on 12 shots only five of which were on target 
you know, Spain had most, you know, Spain always plays with a position, dominating position at all times. That's what they, that's their style of play. And they showed us that today. They showed that in the finals and they did well. And um, I just, I, I would have liked to see penalties. Like I kept rooting for Spain to score an equalizer so we can go to penalties. Because I really wanted to see penalties. But I'm happy either way. I'm happy for Paul Pogba. I'm happy for Rafael Verdun. I'm happy for all the other players. But specifically Pogba. Because Pogba is a Manchester United boy. And I'm, I love him very much. But there's not really much rest as far as the winners. Which is France. Right, because uh, the 2022-2023 edition of the league phase draw will take place in in Montreux, which is in Switzerland, on the 16th of December, with the first match scheduled to kick off in June 2022. And the final will be played in the summer of June of 2023. Right, so there's really no rest. It's going to get back up and running. So I'm excited to see how that will go. biggest moment of the week in case you've been living on a rock we know that Newcastle have been taken over by Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman who is the head of the public investment fund and they now have 80% uh, share of Newcastle United 80% this now makes them the richest club owners in in the world and all of it like literally they become the richest so it is reported that the new owners paid 305 million euros to buy Newcastle United from Mike Ashley in comparison to Sheik Montos paid around 106 million for a mid-table Manchester City in 2008 before turning their fortunes around, right? So, um, the new owners, Saudi-backed public investment fund now owns 80% of Newcastle United. Amanda Stavely owns 10% and Ruben Brothers own 10%. Uh, the Newcastle director, Ms. Stavely, the new Newcastle director, uh, Miss Amanda Stavely said Newcastle United deserves to be top of the Premier League. We want to get there. It'll take time, but we will get there. Ambition though comes at a half price, uh, at, a t- at a high price. What is the net worth of this mm, Newcastle United owners? Listen to this. Newcastle United's majority shareholder public investment fund has reported collective wealth of 320 billion euros 320 billion euros this alone dwarfs the riches of the rest of the premier league owners the closest being manchester city's shark mansour with 23.3 billion euros fortune chelsea owner roman abrahamovich has 9.6 billion euros worth. Wow. 
So, who's the richest in the entire world? Well, the takeover at Newcastle United by public investment fund Amana Stavely and Ruben Brothers has boosted the Magpie's coffers. Newcastle, Newcastle's new owners are the richest football club owners in the world, according to Gold.com. The richest in the world. In the world. They are literally the richest. So, public invested fund, they own Newcastle. They're at 320 billion euros. Number two is Manchester City, and they are owners with 23 billion. Number three is RB Leipzig. The new go New York Red Bulls and the Red Bull Salzburg with 14.22 billion euros. Uh, then you have Juventus with 9.90 billion, you have Hoffenheim with 9.53 billion, you have Chelsea with 9.6 billion, LA Galaxy with 7.3 billion. All of these numbers just they pale into in comparison 320 billion. Uh, so what does the takeover mean for the fans? So Liam Kennedy, Newcastle United writer for National World Sister Title, Newcastle World, says the takeover is a monumental moment for supporters of the football club. He said this is a monumental moment in time for Newcastle United fans. They collectively lived through the near 15 years of Mike Ashley, a loveless, hopeless marriage of <laughs> convenience, uh, punctuated with ne- you know, neglectful moments, tarnished by decay. Wow, that's sad. Now with new owners, there is hope and there is all Newcastle fans have yearned for. Ah, you will catch the smart pundits trying to say they expect too much or will want Pep Guardiola as manager, etc, etc. But this isn't about that. This is about reclaiming back back a bit of what is theirs, being allowed to feel again, not allowing another generation to be lost to to the senseless teams. This is about trying to be better than what they are now, doing more than just existing as a spare part of the Premier League machine. It is now time for our news of the week. Um, the first thing that caught my attention was definitely what happened to Shakiri. What happened involving that? Because. Yeah, there shouldn't be any room for racism anywhere in football. There's no place for that. And it's just unacceptable that that would happen. But I'm proud of how he reacted to it. And in case you're not sure what really happened, let me break it down for you. So, uh, Shakiri was conducting a post-match media duty on the pitch following his side 2-0 and over Northern Ireland in the World Cup qualifying in Geneva. Right, so a man approached the former Liverpool player and put a cord around his shoulder that bore the symbol of the UCK or Kosovo Liberation Army, a militia that fought for Kosovan independence from Yugoslavia and Serbia. Shakiri, who is 
Kosovo Albanian descendant I promptly removed the the garment and placed it off the side of the camera before continuing with this interview. Um, this incident caused an uproar in the Serb in Serbia, with the newspaper describing it as a scandalous scene and calling on UEFA to act. In a statement posted on Twitter on Sunday, the Swiss Football Association said, "It is unacceptable that people want to use football and." in this case a player's interview after a match for political propaganda purposes but Jaden Shakiri reacted in an exemplary manner stayed calm and did not react the man was questioned by police and was and an immediate stadium ban was imposed on him Shakiri and teammate Grant Shaka were fined 10,000 Swiss France at the 2018 World Cup for celebrating goals in a win over by making a double-headed eagle gesture. FIFA considered the celebration which symbolized the emblem of the Albanian flag to be unsporting behavior. So, yeah, obviously we're very strict with these kind of things and this is unacceptable behavior proud of how Shakiri handled himself and I really hope we see less of such things because wow I don't like it I really don't like it when racism rears its ugly head in football really really don't like it but in other news I heard that um, Neymar said that he this could potentially be his last uh world cup um i don't know how to feel about that because i really thought i would be seeing more of neymar and i i expected these kind of comments to come from um messi or ronaldo in a given their age you know i thought neymar still had at least two or three more world cups in him but he said his mind is not in it and I don't know how to feel about that honestly I'm hyper sad a little disappointed but you know it's his choice at the end of the day you know he he decides what he wants to do with his life and maybe you know it's a little bit taxing as far as football maybe it's become a chore for him and he's not as passionate as he used to be about it and in that case he should put his mental health first at all times and we will see how that goes. In another news, Leo Messi scored his 80th, his 80th goal for Argentina. It's amazing, 80 goals for Argentina. It's really good in a 3-0 win. Um, very impressive, very impressive for Messi. You know, Ronaldo's far ahead, way far ahead. But hey, Messi's making progress. He's making progress. That's all that we're focusing on. Speaking of Messi and Ronaldo. It's important that we talk about the Ballon d'Or nominees because they have been released and they are as follows with Caesar as Piliqueta, uh, Nicolo Perilla, Karim Benzema, um, Leonardo Benucci, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Cellini, Ronaldo, Diaz, Donnarama, Bruno Fernandes, Phil Foden. Uh, Erling Haaland, Jorginho, Harry Kane, 
Galo Kante, Luis Suarez, Ryan Sterling, Mohamed Salah, Pedri, Neymar, Mason Mount, Mourinho, Modric, Messi, Mbappe, Martinez, Mares, Lukaku, Lewandowski, and Kajar. I might have butchered that last one. But yeah, these are the nominees. These are the nominees. Um, um, to be honest with you, I think, I think that it's Lewandowski's for the taking. Okay, it just it has to be his. I mean, who else? Who else? Honestly, but according to the favorites that are ranked, Messi is number one. Apparently, he's the favorite to take it. Lewandowski is number two. Um, I'm sad to see that. Um. Mo Salah's not even in the top 10. I really hoped he would be there. But, yeah, if it's not Lewandowski, for me, I would have liked it to be Mo Salah. But, hey, we'll see how it goes. I don't, I'm not really sure as to the voting system of these things or the criteria, how it works. Is it, like, most... I don't know how the criteria works. Is Do we vote as individuals? And if so, then we should vote for Salah, for sure, because I think he had an exceptional season. Last season, he's having a great season now. If not him, then Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, he played well. But obviously, Lewandowski, all around, he's always doing amazing things. I'd like to see him do good things. Um, In other news, we have... Marcus Rashford, who recently graduated in the MBE. So, let me just list the amazing things that he's done so far. This man has raised 20 million euros for fair share. He has forced the government to pledge 400 million euros. He's helping Manchester's homeless. He's promoting positivity with UNICEF. He launched a children's book club. He stood up to online racism and abuse. He's the youngest ever uni of MCR honorary degree. So he has an honorary degree. Now, Marcus Rashford is now referred to as Dr. Marcus Rashford. Wow, that's just really amazing that he's doing all these amazing things. I wish him nothing but the best. I also wish him a speedy recovery. I hope he comes back very soon because we are in dire need of a star player or we just we are in dire need of him so please come back Rashford if you made it to this part of the podcast thank you so much for listening I appreciate you um i love you from the bottom of my heart um be sure to comment like subscribe um and do all the nice things thank you so much have a nice day be sure to spread positivity on your way